Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Welcome to Edgewood Church Online. This is sermon number five in our first Thessalonians series. If you haven't listened to the others, you can always get caught up. Where you need to go is you need to go to our website. The website is www.edgewooddanville.org. There's a hyphen between the Edgewood and the Danville. Up at the top of the page, if you go to that website, there's a link that says Church Online. There's also a link in the middle of the page, if you'd like to click there, that says Previous Devotionals. This week, we will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. I'm aware that this is a rather large chunk of Scripture, but I believe we will work our way through here rather quickly. A question that I would like to answer, and that I believe Paul is going to answer, is what sets church apart from everything else we see? Or more specifically, what sets the gospel apart? That good news that we're always talking about. What sets it apart from everything else we can hope in or trust in or look to, um, whether that be people or ideas or followings or or other religions or a new self-help book or political parties or schools of thought or a new way of living, the, that all-inclusive way that someone finally discovered and the ancients probably knew about it, but this guy has just rediscovered it, and it covers everything from your diet to your sleep habits to relationships. Or maybe it's just wise advice on a, from a new TV or YouTube personality or anything else. That is what we're going to hear. Paul is going to, well, he's not going to get defensive, but I wouldn't call it that, but he is going to show what sets the gospel message apart from everything else. And as a preacher, proclaimer, teacher of this gospel, Paul can't broach this topic without getting personal to him. Um, That's just the reality of it. Uh, We're going to see in our passage um, elements, clues, could call them proofs, uh, evidence that sets church in this gospel, this good news, apart from the norm. Or apart from these other things that you might look to as good news. Okay, there are 14 in total. Again, I know that sounds like a lot. We'll go through them quickly, I promise. Um, these may leave you wondering about who and what you listen to. Of these 14, there are nine that are in the the negative, as in like a not this. And there are five in the the positive that are more like with this or in this, um, looks like this. With each one, because of the way Paul is phrasing it, I will also, like Paul, need to get personal about my own ministry, uh, about John's ministry, about our preaching and teaching of the gospel, um, about how we live our lives, and about why we are here in this ministry, Edgewood. At the same time, I hope you will use this as an opportunity to screen where and from whom you receive other teaching slash preaching. Whether that be YouTube, Facebook, websites, other churches, television, uh, etc. Let's pray and jump into this passage. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. I thank you that, well, that I'm here. 
I'm able to talk about your word. I thank you for First Thessalonians. I thank you for Paul writing these things and his own vulnerability and willingness to have his life evaluated and looked at. God, I ask now, before I continue on, that you would allow um, these words to be true to your word, that this end result might be what is pleasing and honoring to you. I pray for those who are listening. Um, Lord, when they pull this up, I'm going to record this, but when they're listening later, right now for them, God, I ask that you would use the truth of your word to infiltrate their hearts and help them, Lord, if they do see the truth of the gospel, to believe it and to live for it. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as we read this chapter, chapter 2, I'm going to read uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, and I want to point out that it starts with this word, for. Now, some versions don't have that in there, but I'm telling you, it's in there in the Greek. And this for is telling me there's something that's connected. So remember that the first chapter was almost entirely a praise or a thanksgiving that Paul was thanking God for what God had done in the Thessalonians. Okay? So then he turns around and he goes, for, or because you yourselves know, brothers, so this is just connecting it to this, this thanksgiving earlier, for you yourselves know, brothers, that are coming to you, our is um, probably talking about Paul and Silas, not including Timothy, because we don't think Timothy was with them when they came, but are coming to you was not in vain. Vain means empty. Okay, empty or, or pointless or purposeless, um, possibly could mean without result. So personally, I could ask myself or you could ask and, and evaluate, you know, why, why is Matt here at Edgewood? Or is there purpose as to why John is here? What are those purposes? It could also really mean, is there gospel results? That's definitely what Paul, I believe, had in mind. He was looking at the Thessalonians and seeing all those things that had happened. And the Thessalonians had seen what God had done uh, in them and their lives. And Paul's saying, was, when we came to you, what did, were there results? Was it empty, our showing up? And so I think that we could be asking that as well. Are there gospel results? Not just, is the church growing, but are there gospel results? Church growth numbers uh, doesn't always mean that there is gospel growth. But are people changing? Is the gospel spreading, not just outwardly, but also in people's hearts? Are they embracing it more? Those kinds of questions, I think, is what we could ask. Is is Christ being lifted up is another one you could ask. Um, have we seen that in ourselves? And so Paul believes that the Thessalonians' answer to that would be yes. And so this is the first proof or, or evidence that is setting him and the preaching of the gospel apart from other things that they may have looked to or encountered or trusted in. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, at Philippi, this is talking about when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison lawfully, now think about that, unlawfully thrown into prison illegally. Paul, Roman citizen, should not have been treated that way. He had suffered um, physically for those things, been thrown into prison. Um, none of that should have happened. You see him once he's in prison, 
singing and praising God. I mean, that's that's a story that we read about in the book of Acts that happened at Philippi. They would have known about this. He must have shared it with them, or maybe it got passed along by others. So as you know, um, even in Thessalonica, when they encountered conflict, it says, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you. So the declaration is still going on. And what is it? The gospel of God. And it's right in in the midst of much conflict. So the second element or evidence or proof, you might call it, is that it's in, okay, so we're not talking about it, it's not something, that it's in the middle of conflict. And in the middle of conflict, the gospel message didn't change. It was still the gospel being preached. Is it still the grace and goodness of the gospel when the going gets tough? Not just as the person hang around. To be frank with you, I've seen preachers of the gospel, what I thought were preachers of the gospel, under certain circumstances, uh, when the pressure is on, uh, end up adjusting their message to match their defiance and frustration with the circumstances that are happening around them. That ought not to be. We are here to preach the good news of Jesus Christ no matter what is going on, whether it's easy to do it or it's not. Or like Paul says, in season, out of season, it doesn't matter. Right? We're going to preach the gospel. Now in the next verse, there are three uh, real quick, rapid fire, and the next verse. So let's take a look at that one. For our appeal, which by the way, Paul makes no secret of the fact that his preaching of the gospel is is an appeal. It's a, it's a call to something. Uh, I hope that you know that that's how I preach each and every week. Hopefully, I try to. As an appeal, I, I want and I long for response to what we're bringing. Uh, I do that, uh, hopefully, I, I try to bring in applications, make it easy and obvious for what you ought to do as, as to the hearing of the gospel and the hearing of the good news and the hearing of the teachings of Christ. But there is an appeal in this. We're not just sharing, this isn't book club, right? This isn't feel good time. There's, there's an appeal to the preaching of the gospel to turn away from all other things that you might find to be fulfilling and, and, and helpful or uh, helpful and um, joy-bringing, to, to turn away from all those things to Jesus Christ and to the God that created you. There's an appeal to do that. And part of that appeal is telling you about the good news of Jesus, all the great things he's done, telling you about him. And so Paul as well tells them that the appeal— and he says it does not spring from, it doesn't come from, it doesn't pop out of. So the, the roots of the appeal are not these things. So the next three, so numbers three, four, and five of our list of things, I told you there's 14. Uh, three, four, and five are nots. Okay, so the first one he mentions is not error. No error. Okay, so error Let's think of it as accuracy to Scripture. Sometimes this can be seen when one just doesn't even preach from the Bible. So if you're listening to someone, they're not preaching from the Bible. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions. Is this accurate or not? Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to catch. And we can ask, does the gospel message match the real, wor the real world or is it full of error? So as I preach, there ought not to be... Um, falsehoods in the things that are being said. 
And Paul says, hey, is there, was there error? Did it spring from a, a, a wrong view of things? No. The answer is no. Um, I think this can also speak of a track record. Um, and uh, have you been following and listening to the teachings of someone for a long time? And for those of you that have been at Edgewood as long as I've been there, um, you ought to be saying, is, is, it, is Matt's preaching coming from error? See, if it's not, you start going, hmm, if it's not, it means something. And that's where Paul's going. Uh, I told you I'd go th quickly through these. The second one there is impurity. So no impurity. Now, this word is, is and can, it's normally uh, talking about sexual impurity. Um, it can refer to any type of impurity. Um, I hope in the middle of this, you're starting to see the necessity of what we call the, the local church. Church that you can be there, be a part of. You need to be a part of a church so that you can examine and know those from whom you are learning. Uh, if you find out that the pastor is full of sexual impurity or or any other type of impurity uh, he's not someone that you ought to be listening to um, if the gospel message is real and as all-encompassing and as such good news as it is and the things that it teaches about what it can do to a human heart you ought not to be following somebody that is living an impure life and listening to them uh, I stand before you well not literally I'm sitting in a chair right now but I'm I'm, I stand normally when I'm there at church before you, and my my life to a degree is open to um, examination. Um, you ought not to listen to me or to anyone else that is not living a life that is that is pure. Um, this is this doesn't mean, in case anybody's thinking this, this doesn't mean perfection. Thankfully, so. Um, it's not talking about that. It's it's speaking about someone. It'd be the the blatant like if I was up there preaching to you every week, but I was having an affair. Okay, um, I I ought not to be preaching if that was going on, but you ought not to be listening. But what Paul's doing in this passage is saying the the appeal that I made to you. What, did it? Where did it come from? And they knew Paul well enough to know it did not come from that sort of life. The third thing, once again, I said I was going to go quickly. The third thing was any attempt to deceive. Uh, and it, I, I don't want to think too much of the fact that he says an attempt, um, but I do think that's a relevant uh, addition there. But this could be as simple as uh, having ul ulterior motives. This could be uh, uh, also this could be uh, as a person honest in their business transactions, honest about their lives, their joys, their sorrows, their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, are your leaders honest? And Paul lays out his life before them and says, um, he, he, he's, he's you know, our appeal doesn't come from this because his life has been opened up to be seen in this way. But no deception. Um, this isn't in my notes, but can you see where this is going? There, there's two ways that I, I think... Uh, that you'll see that this is heading into. Um, one is um, doing this at our own church. And, and for me, being above um, any of these things and making sure that my life is, is lived in such a way that the gospel message is, is believed and that my life can stand as an, an evidence to that. That's a difficult thing. Um, 
Uh, most people don't like having their lives put on display, and I'm among them. But for the sake of the gospel, I've learned to embrace that and to say, hey, um, this is who I am. Um, if I'm not living it, don't listen to me. Uh, but I think you may see that is, this is also heading another direction, even though Paul's purposes here are not to give these things as tests or evaluations of others that you listen to. I would throw in there that that may be one of the things we may need to ask as we continue through our list. I've gotten through five. Let me jump into the next verse and uh, see what Paul gives us next. In this verse, I'm going to <clears throat> summarize it all into one thing, but let me read it. But just as we have been approved by God, tested, to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. So just as they've been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, in connection with that, that's how they speak. Not, okay? And this is where it comes from. So if they've been approved by God as their approver and entrusted with the gospel, which is his message, they're going to speak, but it's not going to be to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So if God has entrusted them with this and, and, and approved them of this service and said, okay, you are the ones that I'm going to use. Um, we know it's all because of his good grace that he uses any of us. But the fact that he does do this and he says, you will be my emissaries to preach and teach the word. And Paul, I think more than most of us, understood that about himself as the gospel was first being spread everywhere. Now, this approved by God, one way to evaluate that is to ask, does the, does the message change? Um, does it change according to culture or, or time period? Or do you see someone adjusting uh, their message based on their audience. Um, I think this one will make a little bit more sense as I continue on to the next few, but I'm not talking about the appropriateness of an audience, but the message itself. So for example, I, I'm not going to get up in a funeral uh, of an unbeliever and say, I'm pretty sure this guy is going to hell, right? Uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I am going to say their, their only hope of heaven is that they have trusted Jesus Christ as their savior. And I've had to say that in funerals before with people that I was not sure about. They could have been. I don't know. Um, they could have on their deathbed said, Lord, save me, and cried out like that thief on the cross, crying out to God. Um, and so there's always, always hope. But you wouldn't want to have a, a pastor who, in different circumstances, adjusts and changes his message. And to be honest with you, we see this from politicians all the time. When in one crowd, they seem to tout one particular viewpoint, and then they get in a different crowd, and they seem to tout a different viewpoint. You would not want to see that from a pastor, preacher, proclaimer of the gospel. It ought to become a good preacher, I believe. It ought to become obvious that they are preaching with one person in mind when it comes to what they're going to say, and that is God. Um I will freely admit that's a that's a tough thing to do uh, on certain levels. But overall, um, I hope that you know that at the end of the day, what I care about is that God has approved of what I've said. 
and that the things that I'm saying are not being said to make you feel better or to even try to make you feel worse. Uh, that's not my goal. I'm, I'm there to, to please God with the words that I say. I believe John is as well. We, we come and we minister Edgewood for those purposes. The others that teach the, the children, those classes that we've said, okay, they, they're going to teach these classes. I believe that they, they are all, all the ones that you know at Edgewood, I believe are attempting to do this, that they're living, teaching, preaching for an audience of one. Um, this people-pleasing, though, error flows over and reveals its heart in the next few issues. So let me go to verse 5. For we never came with words of flattery. So there's one. This is number 7. No flattery. And number eight, uh, no greed. Just go ahead and write them down. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. He said, you know, it's God is witness. Flattery. Um, like I said, number seven, uh, to, to build up, saying, choosing words specifically to build up the listener in a way that is shallow or empty, a, a feel-good message. Um, I think that we see this when people are trying to get a gathering or create a following. Um, these are all, this people-pleasing thing all flows in with these things together. Uh, number eight, I said not greed, no pretext for greed. It's not about personal benefit. I believe that this is seen in many of the tele television and megachurch pastors of our day. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but there is no reason why a pastor should be making should be making millions of dollars off of a church. This is wrong. Um, I, I watch some, and I feel like they're they're what's it called fleecing fleecing the people. Um, I hope that you can see that in John and I, that we're not trying to grow the congregation into a better situation by just using words of flattery, trying to make you feel better. Not for those, if we say something that makes you feel better, praise the Lord. But is that our, our goal ultimately is to flatter you, to build you up just so that you oh i'm going back there again and and try and, and there are people that do this there are lots of people that do this creating those followings creating those gatherings and there can be a thought of greed behind all of it this what can i get for myself okay two another two things number seven and eight that we ought to be tested on john and i um but all pastors and again i think you're starting to see this is an interesting way to start thinking about the people that we even uh, listen to and evaluate. And I think that you're hoping, or I hope that you're thinking, you know what, I, there is an important element to not just watching preaching online, even though we're stuck doing it right now, hopefully not for long, but being a part of a church in such a way that the, the, the pastor, the preacher, the, the ones that are teaching the gospel, their lives can be known. Right? Can be known. Let's go on to verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from people. 
Sounds very similar to the ones that we've been talking about already, this people-pleasing. But this one shifts a little bit. Glory, um, th th this is this personal gain. This is uh, admiration from people, um, whether from you or from others. Though we could have, and this is interesting, that we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. There is a very, there is very much a precedent in Scripture of, of the apostles ought to be able to come and say, take care of us. No. None of them do. None of them go that route. They could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And that's how the world does things. If the world came along and said, I was there and I saw this person and you should look to me because I, I'm the only one that saw. And, and Paul could have, he came, Jesus came to me on the road to Damascus. You should listen to me and, and take care. Paul was not like that at all. And his life was laid out in such a way that they would know that. And so he says, we, we, didn't see, we were obviously not seeking glory from people. I'm going to throw in at this point in verse 7, because we're getting close to being done here, uh, that one of the things that that time period had that I think that we we all still have, even in our time periods and all the time periods between, in Paul's day in Thessalonica and in many of those cities, there would have been traveling um, philosophers, speakers. It was a, a big thing. And you, you that have been um, uh, coming to Edgewood for a while, you know when we uh, went through Corinthians, there was a very similar thing going on there. Um, and Paul is setting himself apart with these things. That I'm, he's saying, I am not like the charlatans and, and all the ones that are taking advantage and coming with a, a message to here you go. This is different. And one of the ways that Paul one of the ways that Paul is demonstrating the uniqueness of the message is laying his own life before them and saying, Look at my own life and see how it's changed me. <coughs> I think that as you know, you shift that and you think, okay, well, this ought to be a, a testing, evaluating element for who you listen to online or on television or anywhere else. Looking at those people, what are their lives actually like? Ought they uh, to be listened to? But I think as well, for your own sake, maybe a third way that this might start to shift to a personal application is I know that some of you have those that you love. You, you, you've come to the gospel. You believe it. Jesus is your only hope. And you've got people that you love that are either family members or friends that you want them to turn to Christ. And so you say things to them. I would ask you, can you join in with Paul? And as you go to these people, that you can you say to them, look at my life. Look what God has done for me. Look what God is. There's, there's no that can be done with pride to get a pat on the back, but when done with a true heart of humility, knowing that all things in your life that are good are all gifts of grace from God, you can do this in such a way that truly glorifies God, but shows, validates, I guess you could say, validates, proves the message is real. So I encourage you, people will listen to you, and I think you all know this, actions speak louder than words, right? 
that, that there, there's a there's a real truth to what is going on with Paul's defense of himself here, not in a defensive way, but just saying, "Look at my life. It's laid out before you. Believe the message." Okay. Let's plow through the rest of this as quick as we can. Number ten uh, of our list. I told you there was fourteen. Number 10 of our evidences or proofs, Paul says, but we were gentle among you. So Paul's, even Paul's approach to them, he uses his evidence to say that there's, there's something you need. This, this is not here to bash you over the head. This is coming from a heart. And he says, like a, a nursing mother taking care of her own children, the way a, a mother cares for her children, that, that loving, tender embrace, um, I think of the, the the young moms we have in our church. I think of my own wife when she was a young mother. Um, I think of uh, others who are getting ready to be young mothers. I think of Lexi getting so close. And I think that there, there's something, if you haven't seen it or experienced it, but a mother, whether it's um, that baby is just born or in the glorious case of those that have been adopted into our church, you see that, and, and those of you that are parents know this so well, and those of you that, honestly, I think that anybody that's picked up a baby and isn't a jerk probably gets this to some degree. That baby, there's just this love that you can have for them. I can remember my children coming out and just, just loving them. But there was something unique and special, uh, and, and Paul does this. He, In fact, you're going to see him in this passage talk about it. When he talks about the the nurturing element, and he, he always he always um, veers into likening himself as like a mother with the children. But when he comes into the the teaching element, he always goes towards the direction of like a father with his his children. And here he says, "We were we were gentle among, the way a mother taking care of her own children. So with gentleness, like I said, this is number ten. This is the second time we've he's thrown in a positive. There was one at the beginning. This is the second time there's a positive where he says it's with this thing. I'm going to find number 11 in this verse. This is verse 8. Remember I told you there's 14. I promise I'm almost done. I'm getting so close. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Not only we're going to share with you not not only the gospel so they're, they're sharing that the message but also so not only but also our own selves and then he gets real frank with them because you became you because you had become very dear to us this affectionately desirous of you um all the word frank well just all the words in this particular verse speak to something so here's number 11 i'm going to write it this way oh sorry eraser pen with vulnerability okay so with vulnerability um there's a lot of other little things in here i could have gone with but as i read this i i just connected and recognized there there's this vulnerability that Paul uses as an evidence that the gospel is real why would anybody get to this place other than the gospel 
and Paul is saying, "Do you remember how we came?" I love this is this is the verse. It says, "I love you guys." Um, I did not understand. I would not have understood this verse fully a few years ago, but ten years now, I've been at Edgewood, and frankly, just. Being through this situation that we're in, this has become even more apparent to me. Uh, when I think of you, Edgewood, love you guys. Just genuinely love you guys. And I ask for your patience. I am a naturally very private person, not because I want to hide things, but just simply because... I'm just an awkward dude, okay? Um, we use that term introvert, right? Uh, but Paul says he came to share not just the gospel, but also their own selves. And I want you to know I, I try to do that. And I want to continue getting better at just sharing myself. I, I hope that you guys know that those of you that have, uh, we've had opportunity to and I'm telling you, I, I don't do it naturally very well. I, I feel awkward. I feel, you know, just um, out of place sometimes. But I hope those of you that have had the opportunity to come to me and, and we've been able to really talk have seen that I my, my life, I, I want my life to be an open book for anybody. And I, I'll tell you my my deepest, darkest frustrations and challenges and and my shortcomings and everything else. I'm going to share myself with Edgewood. And I hope that you all feel that way and, and understand that. Um, once again, can you see the necessity in God's way of developing his church to what we call local church? Being with a group of believers. Hopefully we will be able, be able to be back together again very soon. But in the meantime, continue reaching out to each other and I want to continue reaching out to you. Number 12 in this one, I'm just going to call it not a burden. He says, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day. Paul was a literally a tent maker. He he had a he was a bivocational pastor like myself. Um, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you um, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. I hope that my life stands out that way. I I uh, sometimes I wish I could just be a pastor, but there's sometimes when I read passages like this, I'm like I I, th I thank God that. I've, that he has put me in a place where um, I work, um, a, an actual other job in addition to um, the way you guys bless me um, with uh, what the church gives me as well. But uh, I, I'm thankful to God that I'm able to do that. But once again, we're looking at Paul saying that this is an, this is an evidence or a proof as to why they ought to recognize there's a difference between the preaching of the God, the real preaching of the gospel, and all the other stuff that you're going to find out there. All these things together. And that's why I don't have a problem saying there's 14 of them total. 
Let me take a look. We've got, this is number uh, 12. We got two more. In this one, Paul says, your witnesses, they, they can see. And so once again, we're just, all these things are flowing together. He says, God and God also, your witnesses and God also. How, and this, I could have separated this up into three, but I, I kept this together as one. He says how holy, set apart, or and righteous and blameless was our conduct. So how they lived, the things that they did toward you believers in their direction. And so I'm going to put this one down as with, I already put vulnerability. This one is what I might call authenticity. There, there's something definitely that I think that in our generation of people in the current time that we're living in, that we, we do value authenticity in people. And I think that they did as well. And Paul is saying, look, look at my life. Here it is. Holy, righteous, blameless. You know that this is how we came to you. Our conduct towards you was this way. We were the real deal. So we're to the end. The last one here, number 14. I told you there's 14. Here's the last element that Paul gives as a, an evidence that he is different, that the preaching of the gospel is different uh, than uh, the other uh, charlatans that they might encounter out there and the other ways of life and, and worldviews and all the other stuff. His final one, he says, for you know, and I mentioned this a minute ago, like a father with his children, we exhorted, taught um, each one of you and encouraged it, both these words together, um, exhorting, encouraging, and then and he says, and, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So the, the things that he has now said, look at my life, he says, finally here, the last piece of evidence is, he said, as I, as I brought it to you and taught you, I didn't just leave it there and go, hey, here's something interesting to think about. He then turned around on them. And so this last one is going to be with, and I want to say teaching, um, but I don't know if that does full measure. Um, I say teaching, and because I've been a teacher for 20 years, I, I have a different perspective than some do. But the full reality of being a teacher, a teacher that says, let me show you all oh, the best kinds of teachers. And so Paul, like a father that says, he, he, come on, guys, get up, let's go, encourage, charge them. All right, now do it. Here's what it looks like. Do it. Here's what it, it, it feels like. Do it. Okay. Um, and so he charged him to walk in a manner that is worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So here are all 14 listed out from these verses. Not empty. In the middle of adversity, that doesn't stop. Not in error, not in impurity, not in deception, not as people pleasers, not with flattery or with greed, not for personal glory, and I could put in there gain, because he talks about some of that, with gentleness, with vulnerability, not burdensome, with authenticity, with teaching. I've tried to be open to um, you today. Uh, I know that Paul was open with these people out of a care and a love for them. I hope that you understand that as well. If you're not a part of Edgewood and you're just watching this online, you should visit us because we're a pretty vulnerable bunch, <laughs> for lack of a better better term. Um, 
And I, I hope that you guys know that I, I, my, I want my life to be an open book, and what you see is what you get. Um, but I hope that I can say these same things. I hope that I can say that. I, um, As I went through here, there were definitely some that as I read them, I, I'm just being um, honest with you that I, I read and I, I, could, I could grow with that. I could grow with that. The vulnerability and the... Um, uh, the the with gentleness, um, I'm not always that way. Um, but God is my one that I seek to please, and I hope that you know that. I think I can speak for John as well, and uh, I hope that as he listens to this, he can easily say with me, "This this is us." I, I like how Paul spoke for Silas. I spoke for John today. Um, things that you ought to do at this point, um, go to church as soon as you can, as soon as we can. Um, in the meantime, connect with Christians, uh, get to know your leaders. Um, you're going to have to help me with that. I'm, I'm not, I, I stink at small talk. Um, just not good at it. Uh, but you can keep me going. Keep me keep me rumbling along. Um, ask me questions. I, I do want to know you, all of you, and I want to get to know you even better. Um, get to know your leaders, right? But if the preaching matches up, and this is Paul's main point, if the preaching matches up, and you can look at me and go, Matt preached it, he means it. He's not like the others. He's not like this guru I saw on TV that's just trying to get a buck. I'm not up there every week going, uh, so do these five things and this will make your life so much better. I'm honest with you. Following after Jesus is, is difficult sometimes. In many ways, your life may not get better, but you're going to have eternal life in the end. Um. But if you uh, hear these things and you, you recognize them and you go, man, he didn't even get up at the end and go, that'll only be 1995. Well, there's a response that is naturally dictated from an authentic, true message. It's a call to action. And so I end today with a call to action for you if you're listening to this you're a part of edgewood or not a part of edgewood you may have heard the gospel message multiple times today may be the day that you go all right i gotta stop messing around god has told me this good news and it's the real deal and i see it in people's lives some of you uh that may be listening to this may just know you may not know me but you know people from edgewood and you go yeah they're 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 pretty messed up but man that when when they got to know jesus things started changing that that means something for you it means you ought to hear this and go this i ought to take take notice paul charged the thessalonians when he was with them i charge you now Hear God's word. Believe it's true. 
Examine it if you need to. Examine those who preach it genuinely. But if it's true and it's right, believe it. Give your life to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you again for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you'd be with those that might be watching this video right now that you have worked in their heart through this. I pray that if there are any that you are calling or pressing towards repentance by the power of your spirit, I pray that they would today, they would fall on their knees before you in the privacy of their homes or wherever they're at, that they would cry out to you and say, Lord, save me. Save me today. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you can always go to our website. There is contact information on there. If you are watching this and you go, I need to talk to Pastor Matt, uh, that number that's on there, if you call it, um, I will get that message. I think it goes straight to voicemail, but I will get that message. And um, I, I'll give you a call if you need. And most of you probably have my number because I've been texting uh, those that are part of the church. If you know somebody at Edgewood and you go, uh, do you have Pastor Matt's cell phone? It, I'm telling you right now, all you Edgewood people, if if you got somebody out there that goes, I just need to talk to a pastor. And, and and you're thinking to yourself, well, I got Pastor Matt's cell phone number, but I don't know if he wants me to give it out. Give it out. Give it out. I don't care. Give it out. Um, any of you that call it, if I don't answer right away, um, I will call you back. If you leave me a voicemail or send me a text message, I will call you back if you need to talk to a pastor and you have questions about this Jesus and what this means and what this means for your life. Thank you for watching and I pray that God will bless all of you and keep you safe.